Okay, I'm in the middle of uh, teaching an intensive here this week on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So I am hoping that at this point, given that I've already lectured for two and a half days, I am still a little bit coherent. I asked uh, the Lord a number of times what he'd like me to uh, share with you today, and I really couldn't get away from this. Now, I have shared this a lot of times in a lot of contexts. Uh, some here, like uh, Steve and Jason, could probably repeat some of this. But I'm always struck by the fact that believers indwelt by the Holy Spirit find it so difficult to hear the voice of God. I'm always struck, particularly with students, they seem to so often drift, as it were, and plead with God. Any of you ever been there? Plead with God to tell them what to do with their life. I'm struck additionally by the fact that so many of us as we get older, 40s, 50s, and 60s, seem, we, we sense there's change on the horizon, but we don't really have any way or clear way of determining where it is God wants us to go. And we seem to do sometimes so much by hit and miss. I want to talk just for a couple of minutes about hearing God clearly and the will of God, and this is just based on my experiences. Many in this generation now would be very much like this. You've got a burning bush going on, God is calling out, but we've got our earplugs in. We've got our iTunes on. This is actually too symbolic of so many now in our generation, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Many people struggle to find the will of God for their lives and really struggle making, you know, making decisions. And so I want to look at just two things. How does God lead and how do we hear him? I'm one of these people who believes that God has a will for all of our lives. He, he told a number of people in the Bible, you know, when you're still in the womb, I knew you. I've called you from birth. I know you by name. You're mine. How does God do this? How, how do we find what God wants for us? Or how do we do it with less struggle? Well, I think, I think of God's will in two ways. What he wants from me tomorrow and today, and then how he guides the big decisions of life. Now, my experience in teaching students this over the years is that we rarely think of God's will in terms of what he wants today. We're often consumed with the big picture stuff. So if you're in your 20s, usually the big picture stuff is, who do I marry and what am I going to do for a job? What's my calling? But as you'll know, as you get older, the big picture stuff, you may get the job or the ministry squared away and you may get the spouse squared away, but the big picture stuff very often keeps coming back. And change to all of us can be really threatening and really difficult. Well, I want to look at this in these two stages, what God wants of us today and how he's going to guide the big decisions. Well, God's will for us at basic is this. If you want to know the will of God for your life, this is the will of God for your life. We know in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. If you want a good will of God for you, that's the will of God for you today, to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. This is God's overriding will for us. He's not left us alone. He's actually sent his spirit to live in us. 
Paul says, don't you know your bodies are actually the temples of the Holy Spirit of God? I don't think often enough we pause and contemplate the mystery that the third person of the Trinity dwells in us. The one who set the universe in order. The one who has created everything there is and was and ever will be. The righteous judge, the Alpha and the Omega, lives in us. Surely that's a mystery. But if you want the will of God for us, this is the will of God for us. Far before we figure out who we marry or what we do or whether or not we take this turn in life or that turn in life, all of that, friends, hear me, becomes much easier when we get this piece in line. Because those who are being conformed to the image of God's Son find that it becomes much easier to hear God on the big turns. The big picture, I like to take the big picture out of a couple of verses. And these are two of my favorite. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you see a therefore, you always need to stop in Scripture, right, and say, what's that therefore? The reason this therefore is there for, because Paul has spent 11 chapters now in Romans detailing the grace and the salvation of God. And then particularly in chapter 8 onward, he moves into the power of life in the Spirit. And based on his discussion of life in the Spirit, he now moves into how one can know the will of God. He says, I urge you, See, he's talking to Christians here. He's talking to us, brothers and sisters. I urge you, he's passionate about this. To view yourself in terms of God's mercy, in the view of God's mercy. You know, one of the reasons I've discovered many of us struggle with the will and call of God for our life is because we don't see ourselves as God sees us. We see ourselves through the picture that's been painted for us. When God, therefore, shows up and says, I have called you to this, or like he did with Gideon, who, by the way, is threshing wheat in a cellar because he's so afraid. You can't thresh wheat in a cellar, but he's hiding in the basement. And the angel shows up and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You don't look like a mighty warrior when you're threshing wheat in a wine press. Which means God sees things in us that we don't see in us. So he looks at us and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But if you've listened to all of the garbage around or if you've taken your self-image from media, then when God calls you to something, you're very likely to say, no, that can't be me. I've heard incorrectly because I could never do that. But when we view ourselves through God's mercy, if your self-concept and self-image is a correct one, it comes from him and not from around and then we see we are who God says we are. We're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, which, of course, is an oxymoron, like pretty ugly, or freezer burn. A living sacrifice is theoretically impossible because a sacrifice is something that's dead. And that, friends, is the picture of the Christian life in the flesh. We are living dead people because we have put to death the flesh with its will and desires and sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're living sacrifices. 
When we do that, this is holy and pleasing to God, which is our act of spiritual worship. For a generation that has connected worship to singing songs they like, and in some cases, I'm afraid, for the youngest of you, you have begun to worship worship. Who are? Just let that sink in the room for a moment. Then, this verse tells you that you actually living daily as a sacrifice and viewing yourself through the lens of God's mercy is worship to God. Because worship is simply the old English worship, which means when you live in such a way as you show the worth of God, you have worshiped. Singing, of course, but one piece of that. Don't conform any longer, he says. Conforming is becoming something else. It's like, you're like to pour concrete in a mold. You take a shape that is there and you pour this liquid concrete in the mold and all of a sudden you have a wall. What was very fluid now looks exactly like the thing to which it's been poured in. And I'm, I'm afraid for many in the church, there's a lot of conforming going on. That which was meant to be a life in the spirit now has an awful lot of look of the world in it. We conform to the image of the world. Pattern of this world is obvious. The acts of the sinful nature, Paul says, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and a lot of other stuff. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Clearly, all of this stuff is in the pattern of this world, but actually, when you look at stuff like discord, you look at jealousy, you look at dissension, you look at factions and stuff, you can see an awful lot of that stuff in the church. Even while we look down our nose on those who get drunk. Don't conform any longer to this, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. To be transformed is to be made into something else. It's not taking that which was meant to be free in the spirit and putting it into a mold. Now we become something different. And this is by the renewing of the mind. This is not by changing the clothes or the cutting of your hair or looking different. This is a spiritual thing that happens when God transforms your thinking. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We must renew our minds daily with the Word of God because we get so polluted daily by the world. When we've offered ourselves through His mercy, viewed ourselves through His mercy and offered our bodies to God and we've stopped being so conformed and start being transformed, then we test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But I'd want to tell you this, that many of us look for the Damascus Road experience when we're looking for the will of God. We want to get knocked off our horse. We want God to arrest us, to shake us, and to say, this, my daughter, this is what you are to do. That would be great, except he rarely does it. Yes, every now and then as you're going through life, God will reach out and give you a little slap in the head. If you've not experienced that, brace yourself. When you get one of those little love taps from God, you'll know it. But very often he doesn't do that. What he's done is he said, as you daily are not conformed and as you daily are transformed into the image of my son, I will guide you ever so steadily and surely in my will. For most of us, God's will is not like a roadmap that he gives us ahead of time so that you can get lost. 
God's will is more that as we walk in his will, his arms are here and he ever so surely is guiding us. You've had this experience in life. You've been going one way and you kind of run into a wall. Do you know what I'm talking about? Doors don't open. Doors that you thought were opening close. This is kind of the arms of God as he nudges you this way. If you persist, he'll give you a little tap. But generally, God is guiding us, and we don't even know it. It's a conversation with a friend. It's a lecture. It's an article you read online. It's something you sense in prayer. It's a scripture you've read, and all of a sudden you realize, I need to adjust course a little bit. And this is the arms of God. Some of you in front of me are in quite a panic over the will of God right now, and you need to hear me when I say this. God is way more interested in you being in his will than you are. And as a seeking believer, it's much harder to miss God's will than you think. Because even if you can't sense him, he is ever guiding like this. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What if you struggle to hear God's voice clearly? And, and I can't begin to tell you the number of people who said, who asked me, how do I know if it's me or God? Ever asked that question? Is it bad pizza the night before or the Holy Spirit? How do I know? And of course, we see people in church, and we see them now all the time. God told me to do this, and God told me to do that. How do we hear clearly? Well, you've got Elijah, and this is in 1 Kings 19. Elijah's already after having shut off the rain in Israel. He's had the showdown on Mount Carmel. He slaughtered 850 prophets of Baal. And then you know in the beginning of 19.1, Ahab's wife Jezebel, who must have been one ugly woman, says to him, I will have your head tomorrow. And he was terrified of her and ran away, even having just called fire down from heaven. Because you'd have think he'd have stood in front of Jezebel and done the same thing, poof, like the wicked witch of the north, she's gone. But he runs, and the Bible says he runs for his life. And not only does he run for his life, he hides under a broom tree and prays to die. After just having raised the dead, shut off the heavens, being fed by ravens, and calling fire down from heaven. If I want to be human, I want to be human like Elijah. So he goes and hides, and the Lord says, the presence of the Lord passed by. And some of you need to, to get this passage, because a great and powerful wind comes through, and some of you are looking for that, but the Lord, for him, was not in that wind. And then there was an earthquake, the great charismatic shattering of foundations. But the Lord was not in that earthquake. And then comes a fire. And many of us like the fire, and we like to talk about the fire, except in this case, God was not in the fire. After that came a gentle whisper. And God is in that. So you know what? Here's five things for you to think about. Sometimes a change in your context helps us hear the voice of God. My experience today is that most of us live a life that closely resembles a rat race. On a treadmill, as it were, although I've only heard of the things, I've not actually clearly used one. <laughs> the idea of walking for 55 minutes and starting off exactly where you started, to me, doesn't make sense. Sometimes we need to change our context, right? You need to get yourself out of the rat race you're in. You need to go somewhere different, sit somewhere different. It doesn't have to be long, but sometimes just a change in context helps us hear God's voice more clearly. 
Sometimes you have to intentionally position yourself to hear God's voice. You know what I'm convinced of? I'm convinced that God is speaking to us through his spirit all the time. But we're tuned in to everything else. You know how I understand this? They've heard this before. I understand that God is someone like still sending out Morse code or AM radio, if you were, depending on the generation you're in. Very few of you here are still listening to AM radio. If you are, it dates you. Now we're into iTunes and XM. And you know, as we go along and we're into our satellite radio and we got our iTunes playing and all that, you need to know the Holy Spirit, by and large, is still broadcasting quietly on that AM station. Constantly. You know what that means, right? That means if your world is really fast and it's fast-paced and you're into all of your social media and you're into this and that and life is really crazy and you've got so many messages coming for you, you, there are times you're going to need to close your laptop, turn off your iPad, shut off your phone, close your door, and change that dial back to an AM and listen. Does he speak audibly? Not very often. Will you hear him? Oh, you will very clearly but in this case he comes in the gentle whisper do you know why he does that you know why he doesn't often shout I come to believe this God shouts at sinners he chases them he gets in their way he hunts them down he puts people in front of them he passionately chases them but you know for believers he often says when you're ready come I'll whisper to you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart Come over and I'll whisper to you. We hear God's voice best in his presence. And his voice doesn't usually sound like we think it should. I can't tell you how many students have sat in front of me and unpacked for me their great distress over the fact that God hasn't spoken to them and they don't know what they should do. And as I talk to them, I discover God has actually told them for years what they should be doing. They don't like it. They want another plan. But God won't tell me. No, bro, God told you a long time ago, you need to leave your girlfriend. You need to get your life straightened out here a little bit. He has a path for you. You don't like that plan. That don't mean God is not talking. He's talking. We may not like it. It sometimes sounds very different than we think it should. And his voice is often quieter than we anticipate. In a world that shouts at us, the Spirit of God often still whispers. In a world that shouts at us, the Spirit of God often still whispers. A final note for you. Many times we are afraid of God's will because we're quite certain he's going to send us to Africa. And, well, we don't like Africa. Or he's going to send us here. Or he's going to send us there. Or God's going to call me to be a preacher, and God knows I don't like to stand in front of people. This verse fixed that for me many, many years ago. It says this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Do you know why? Because as we delight in the Lord... And delighting is as simple as you delight in anything else. Steve right now delights in Rebecca a lot. They spend time together. They talk. They want to get to know each other better. They eat meals together. They're in love. They're getting married. They delight. And the Bible says we delight in the Lord. He gives us the desires of our heart. Do you know how that works, though? 
How that works is that through the delighting process, he really takes out my desire and he puts in his. I wanted to be a lawyer because with my mouth, I could make a way lot more money than I'm making now. And that was my desire. But as I delighted myself in the Lord, and it took many, many years, eventually, and some of you will have had this happen, the idea of doing law just never had the kick. And I couldn't really explain it. But the idea of ministry seemed really cool. That has to be God. <laughs> and some of you who had that experience, you thought you were going to be a nurse, and you loved it, and you were passionate for it. And then all of a sudden, nursing, no. Teaching. But you know the cool thing, see, when God takes out your desire and puts in his, you get to go and do what you want to because your want to is his want to. That's why the will of God is not something to fear or run away from because when you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the, not only the desires of your heart, he puts the desires in your heart and you get to go and do what you want to because it's not your want to. Good, pleasing, and perfect doesn't sound like something we should run from, does it? That's what he calls it. He says, you will determine what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this tells me if I'm really afraid of the will of God, I've maybe not understood it properly or I haven't been delighting as I should. Because I've discovered this. I may be nervous about the next move, I may sense God, because following God is a little bit like following a car. I may sense he's got his signal light on. I don't know where he's going, but I know a change is coming. But I know it's going to be good, pleasing, and perfect. I'll leave you with one thought. Very often, you know, we want the road map for our life, right? We want it all laid out. Any of you like that? I'm like that. I want to know now what I'm doing in 35 years' time. Well, that's a little bit like you saying to me, how do I get to visit your home in Newfoundland? And I say, well, you come out of here, you take a south on Bayview, you hit the 401, you go east, you go right on through till you come to Highway 20 in Quebec, follow the 20 all the way through till you see the 185 out by Trois-Rivières, keep on that, go south on Highway 2 in New Brunswick, you're going to come right around the turn, you're going to go past Moncton, don't take Highway 1 because you'll end up back in St. John. Keep on going till you come to the Nova Scotia border where you'll see the 104. You go right on through then to Canso Causeway, you can take the 125 off around if you want to see Rita McNeil's Tea House. If you don't, the road's a little better, stay on the 105, it's going to take you to North Sydney where you're going to have a lovely six-hour ferry ride over to Newfoundland where there is really only one highway, Highway 1, appropriately named. In 409 kilometers, you'll see a turn for Springdale. You take the left-hand turn and I live seven kilometers on that road. Got it? <laughs> Friends, that's how we want God to tell us. And you know what happens to us? We end up way up in northern Quebec, broke down out of gas. somewhere through Montreal the 20 becomes the 30 and the 40 and the 15 and you're going oost instead of est and <laughs> but you know what God says instead God says this instead and he says it to every one of us and this is my last thought he says instead I'm leaving tomorrow follow me so you know what in the middle of Montreal between Montreal and Quebec, between Quebec and Trois-Rivières, when I think I'm lost, I'm not really lost. As long as the taillights in front of me are God's, I may not, may not know where I am, 
but I know I'm not lost because that's his taillights. As long as I'm seeing his taillights, I'm never lost, even when I don't know where I am. Does that make sense? As one youth pastor that I taught preached this, he said, you need to follow God's headlights. And I said, no, bro. If you see God's headlights, that's bad. He's coming. <laughs> don't, no. <laughs> we don't want God's headlights. You're about to get run over. The Lord bless you. I expect I'm out of time. Let me pray for you. Father, for your presence in this place through your Holy Spirit who indwells the church, we give you thanks. I pray now, Lord, that the words of my heart and the meditations of my mouth were acceptable in your sight. I pray, O oh Lord, that your word would go forward and find good ground and bear much fruit. I pray for those right now who are struggling with the decisions of life that through this word you would give them the peace that passes all understanding. Guard their hearts from fear and their minds from worry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.